Hey man, can I ask you a serious question about farts? Please do. What kind of action is it? I'd say a free action because, I mean, you can fart as much as you want. No one's gonna stop you. Yeah, man, but it has consequences. Like, the sound can count as a distraction. And the stank? Oh, man, that can force a save against poison. Oof, this is a serious question. Okay, with that in mind, I'm gonna call it a bonus action. Not a reaction? Well, it would need a trigger. Farts always have triggers, dude. Oh, excellent point. Okay, then it's a reaction, but you have to establish a difference between the different types, you know, of farts and what effects they would have. Yeah, but that's all based on the constitution modifier. Of course! Look, we better clear the schedule, I mean, because this requires our full attention. What about the episode? <sighs> yeah, we gotta do it. I mean, but I'm gonna have farts on the brain the whole time. Oh, always. Garen, you ready? It's about to drop. Do it! Dungeons and Dragons. Dan here. I started out in 5e. And me, I was sitting behind the DM screen. Yeah, that was three short years ago. I built a dragonborn fighter with no gusto. Fast forward a year. We're buying supplements and copping brand new gear. Incessantly making characters for one another. The only one who cared, of course, was our brother. Building new characters, score them all day. Each and every week, a brand new baby. How's their melee? How's their range? How's their magic? How controlling? How deranged? That's not a category. Just keep going. Uh, I think we were here? Grab a comfy chair and a glass of mead. Another fresh episode in your feed. Other podcasts can be kinda drab. This ain't one, it's the character lab. And welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week we're bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of interplanar content, and scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey, I'm Garen. And I, I just died in your arms tonight. It must have been something you said. Dan here, and we're welcoming the work of a new creator to the lab. Weird Dave Carlson has written a slew of content all about the wild and wonderful plains of D&D. His two collected works are both Electrum bestsellers and available for print on demand, which is really saying something. Yeah, Dan and I have created characters hailing from just about anywhere except the material world this week. We hope this episode not only shows you some great character options, but also opens up your mind to the possibilities of putting more planes into your game because D&D itself has created so many different planes and I think most adventures only take place in the material world. I mean, that, that's kind of boring. Agreed. So Garen, why don't you go ahead and introduce us this week to what plane you be walking on? Well, I got a lot of great response when my wife read my backstory a couple of weeks ago. So here she is again. I'm going to turn it over to her and she's going to read you my new character for the Infinite Planes. Those of us that follow the way of the Silver Lantern seek to guide and protect others. While every creature, no matter its power, requires protection, it was my wish to find someone that needed more in the way of guidance. From the moment I saw him, I was sure he was the one I sought. He thought he required power, a lot of it. He wanted to be both physically and mentally powerful so that he could attract mates and win the respect of his peers. I chose a hands-off approach. 
remaining on his orbit without too much impact. But when I felt he needed a boost, I saw to it that his maternal guardian was injured and he would be left with two other males. This arrangement worked as a catalyst for change, and there I was, watching from afar as he branched out socially and politically. I saw him blossom, trying new things, and gaining the trust of those that saw him as a misfit, all while retaining his unique charm. The casual observer may not think I've done anything, but don't overlook the subtlety of being present when someone needs it the most. I like to think my greatest guidance was just by existing in his life. Tina, come get some ham! Duty calls. Until next time. And a big thank you to my wonderful sister and your lovely wife, Carolyn. That was great. So thank you, Carolyn, and thank you, Dan, for welcoming Tina into the lab. I found a Lamian race, which are Lama people. And so this is a level 14 monk, Way of the Silver Lantern, with the Astral Drifter background. And that, of course, was the plot of Napoleon Dynamite from the perspective of his pet Lama Tina. I think I love this monk build. You just know that you're going to love it? It's a llama monk. There is no way that I'm not going to melt and just accept whatever argument you're asking for. So This build, I'll tell you right now, this build has two of your favorite things on the lab. And I'm not going to spoil it, but you'll see. All right, I'm just going to read my backstory real, real quick. Just before completing the Horde of the Dragon Queen story arc, Seaver and his party discovered that there was no stopping the rise of Tiamat. This caused a great deal of panic along the Sword Coast. Not only were the Council of Dragons quite concerned with what may be at the root of all of this chaos, but hysteria and paranoia were rampant. The brave adventurers that were tasked with taking down the Dragon Goddess were not exempt. In a party of five, Seaver, a tiefling College of Whispers bard, was paired with an unlikely partner, an Asimar druid of the Circle of Spores. Though she had quite a bit of a dark side of her own, the Asimar did not trust Seaver whatsoever. Despite all of the altruistic and heroic deeds he had done throughout the campaign, it made no difference. Well, the rise of the dragon goddess Tiamat was not being stopped no matter how many death-defying acts the party saw themselves in. And the Asimar, named Divina, did not stand for what she had assumed to be Seaver's summoning of this deity any longer. He's far too secretive not to have a hidden agenda, she thought. He must be dealt with. And the night before they head into the Dragon Queen's lair, Davina slayed Seaver in his sleep and buried him, unbeknownst to the rest of the party. The party went on to defeat Tiamat in a brutal battle. And Davina and the rest of her party were widely regarded as heroes. They now serve as members of the council themselves. Great story, right? What's that? Oh, this is about Seaver? Oh, yeah. Well, you see, tiefling by default, they're sentenced straight to hell when they die. Poor thing. Good news is, though, uh, well, he's been on his best behavior, and Asmodi has granted him undead status. He now works night and day serving the Demon Lord, and he promises to one day allow him to go back to the surface to seek vengeance on Divina. 
He plays the drum and hums and hums and hums. Down in his hellish abyss, he's befriended other tieflings who were murdered in battle, who have learned the great secrets of battle, and share them with Seaver in exchange for his meditative, humming song of rest. He's just about ready to emerge stronger than ever and full of vengeance. I'd like to introduce you to Seaver, a level 14 revenant, that's the race, College of Am Bard, with the Rakdos cultist background. The subclass is from the Infinite Planes, Volume 11, from Weird Dave Coulson, The Infinite Layers of the Abyss. And the race is a supplement out of the series of race supplements by Joshua Gentry called Races Revived. Very nice. I like that you tied everything together there. You had the Rakdos cult, you've got the Tiamat, which I'm always going to love a story involving Tiamat, and you've got a bard straight out of the abyss. So this is an exciting episode. I'm also jazzed to hear what you got. I'm always at my best when I got the dark side going. Weird Dave has written so much content. Dan and I both dove into some stuff and found the characters we like, but we haven't even really read, I mean, at least half of them, right? I mean, maybe I've read a third of them. I actually would not mind doing another episode about this. I'm just so excited about different settings and themes and stuff like that. So this is super cool. And don't be surprised if I revisit these supplements in the future. We're Dave. We're coming back to you. But first, Dan, take us to our sponsor. And that's Tabletop Loot. They're full of great products and even more heart. They've got shirts, mugs, tote bags, and hordes and hordes of dice. It's kind of like the Horde of the Dragon Queen. But really what makes this place special is they regularly support gaming in schools by having sales where every dice set purchased means that one will be donated to a school gaming program. And what's more is their dice selection cannot be beat. We don't have time to list them all this week, so I'm going to highlight the one that I would use when playing Seaver. And that is Crystallized Smoke. With its pearlescent gray, black, and gold numbers, it's rather reminiscent of one of the layers of hell and surely looks like it's rising out of the abyss. And when you click on the link in our show notes or head on over to tabletoploot.com to get a set for your next character, or heck, how about your present character? Use the code LABRAT, that's L-A-B-R-A-T, all one word, to get 15% off your total purchase. Now, this works on everything that they have in the store except for the metal Norse Foundry dice. So head on over to Tabletop Loot, grab some fresh loot, and give your old dice the boot. Thank you, Dan and Tabletop Loot, for the message. Now, guys, this is the time where we talk about the show format. We got nine categories that we've prepared arguments for, and in each we will state why our character deserves a score ranging between minus two and positive two. A positive two is skipping around the multiplanar system with all the elegance of an astral champion. And a minus two is snakes on a plane. Enough is enough! I have had it with these mother... Finally, once per show, each of us will be able to force the other to roll for the score in which we are arguing as a charisma save using the charisma score of our character. Then at the end, whoever's the most points is the winner. Melee time! What does your bard do when it comes to that hand-to-hand combat? I'm arguing a minus one. At level 14, I have a longsword with a plus six to hit. I have one attack, deals out 1d8 plus one slashing. I believe that falls in the category of better than nothing. Yeah, boom! All right, I am arguing a positive one. I am arguing just a regular old plus one. I'm nothing positive about it. That's got two attacks as a monk, plus eight to hit, one D8, plus three damage. Also, flurry of blows, naturally. Not getting anything fancy just yet, so give me that one. Absolutely, you're a monk. All right, Garen, take us into range. I can't imagine with those stubby little arms and feet, you're going to have all that much range on a llama girl. 
Yeah, the Llama Girl is not known for their ranged attacks, but they got Deflect Missiles. Minus one. Better than nothing again. I'm arguing a minus two because I actually put in a vote with the city council that Seaver missed the cut on to have range removed from our show. They're currently looking it over. They'll get back to us next week. Just last week, you built a ranger. I don't remember that. <laughs> it's hard to have any ranged in the abyss because this is like pure void, right? So there is no such thing as distance. That's right. Everybody is both on top of each other and not ne anywhere near each other at the same time. Makes perfect sense. Now moving into burninating, I'm arguing a plus two. I got so, so much. Vicious Mockery, Firebolt, Burning Hands, Heat Metal, Cloud of Daggers, Flaming Sphere, Wall of Fire, Fireball, Branding Smite, Dragon's Breath. Now the last three... And the next one that I'm about to go over are actually granted by my magical secrets, which of course allow you to take spells from other classes. Oh yeah. The next one is Agonazer Scorcher, and it's a line of roaring flames, 30 feet long and 5 foot wide, emanates from you in a direction you choose. Each creature in the line must make a deck saving throw, and a creature that fails that deck saving throw takes 3d8 fire damage on a failed save, or half as much on a successful one. And I also have another spell called Morden Kanan's Sword, which I don't think we've ever featured on this show, but it's pretty cool, so I'll just detail it quickly. You create a sword-shaped plane of force that hovers within range. It lasts for up to one minute. When the sword appears, you make a melee spell attack against your target of your choice within five feet. On a hit, the target takes 3d10 force damage, and until the spell ends, you can use a bonus action on each of your turns to move the sword up to 20 feet to a spot that you can see and repeat this attack against the same target or a different one. I'm really liking that. There's a lot of damage here in this burninating category. It's very worthy of a plus two. Jeez, that is a lot of damage. And you haven't gotten into any class features yet. This nice, strong category for you. I know what I've got on my character sheet here, so I'm going to have to push the roll. Hope for another nat one. I have some unfortunate news for you, Garen. This bard is very charismatic, but the bad kind of charisma, the intimidation, the deception. He's got a plus five to his charisma, so yeah. he's only going to need to roll a 12 or better to get this plus two. Here goes. And guess what? I went from one week rolling a natural one to the next week rolling a natural 20. Oh. I'll take it. I'll take that to the bank. That is that is game over. I, I You know what? This is a good point to mention that I'm pretty sure we did not announce the scores last week. And Dan, you definitely would have won that episode, but I did beat you 4-3 to three because of that nat one. So I think the fates are on your side on this week. Given the fact that you're probably going to lose this episode, why don't you go ahead and detail what's going on in your burninating category? What kind of magic damage is Llama Girl doing? I wrote Empowered Strikes. Oh, that's that's a well-established zero in the lab. Yeah, I know this is such a slow start, but once I get into the class features, you'll see why I chose this. I haven't had any opportunity to touch on those yet, but I got a little something to offer the control category. Of course, I've got Stunning Strike, but also Llamas, you know what they do? They spit. And... I spit in a five-foot line. Creatures must succeed on a dex save where the DC is eight plus my con plus my proficiency, which at level 14 is a 14. And if they fail on that, they have disadvantage on their next attack and their movement speed is reduced by half rounding up. I got to use a short rest to recharge my spit because you got to get a loogie that big. You need some time. We all know that's that morning loogie. Got to have a long rest after that. Yeah. So those two things considered, I'm arguing another solid zero. You gotta remember, we're 14th level here. But that spit, though. Yeah, I'm gonna say a minus one. And it the just, power of Stunning not... Strike? You love Stunning Strike. I do like Stunning Strike. It requires a key point, and the spit can only be done once per long rest. Short so, rest. Short rest. 
We're talking about resource expenditure here. Once those things run out, you have nothing. What about step of the wind? I didn't mention that. Yeah, fine. Fine. Take a zero. Man, that was the toughest zero I've had in a while. All right, how about you? I'm going to argue a plus two. I got Counter Charm, and I've got a College of Om feature called Research Savant. When you join the College of Om at third level, your skill at research and lore increases. Whenever you make an intelligence ability check that uses your proficiency bonus and you roll below 10, you can treat that check as if you rolled a 10. Mm, nice. College of Om feature called Telepathy, which at sixth level allows your continued studyings of Om's writings to unlock secrets of nonverbal communication used by demons. As an action, you gain telepathy with a range of 60 feet for one whole minute. You must complete a short or long rest before you can use this feature again. Uh, uh, those two things, I think, are probably good enough. I mean, that's good, but it's not a lot. And like you said, this is level 14, so I think this is a plus one. Bardic Inspiration? Wait, but you can, you, can you use Bardic Inspiration on yourself? No. So then it's not control. I was just throwing things out. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll take a one. Yes, you got a one. So then moving into tankiness, I'm arguing a zero here. I've got 168 HP and an AC of 11, but I do have resistance to necrotic damage as a revenant, and I have hellish rebuke. You have 168? Yes. And your con is what? My con is an 18. Oh, oh. I couldn't put that math together, but that makes sense now. But I'm arguing a zero. The AC of 11 is a glaring hole. Pretty easy to chop you down there. Okay. I am going to argue a plus one. I've got 126 HP and an AC of 15. I have also got, obviously I could take dodge as a bonus action, and I have diamond soul, which is proficiency in all saving throws, and I can spend one key point to succeed on a saving throw. I know you like that feature. Oh yeah. And I can finally get into some of my class features here as the Way of the Silver Lantern. So if my backstory wasn't clear, I wasn't just doing a Napoleon Dynamite joke. Uh, it was about the guidance and the protection. So their mission is to help others, and they sometimes act as guardian angels or protectors of an adventuring party. These monks carry the light of the Silver Lantern that represents their bodies, minds, and spirits. So my sixth level feature is the Silver Spirit, where I can gain resistance to all damage as a bonus action until the start of my next turn with a long rest to recharge. So that is a very strong ability with, I think, a very good balance by making it once per long rest. Plus one. I really do like that feature, and I have no problem with the plus one. Okay, so guys, we are heading into the Ally Assist, and we've been reading five-star reviews on iTunes, and fortunately, we have enough to read, which is nice of you people. Thank you for writing reviews on iTunes. This one's by Tennessean in California. Can't Resist creating. I totally agree. I can't resist creating and imagining characters. This is a great show concept, and I have loved binge listening. I also really love and appreciate the relationship of these guys. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. Thank you, Tennessean in California, for understanding that our relationship is not just a show. Dan and I have a deep podcastrial bond. No comment on that? Okay, that's just me speaking into the abyss as I tried to talk about my bond with Dan. So, guys, uh, if you do write a five-star review, we will read it on a future episode. Thank you again, Tennessee and in California. But the way of the Silver Lantern, Dan, uses two of your favorite things, and that's monks that are big on ally assist and interesting uses of reaction. So, my third level feature is the Silver Lantern Bearer, and I can draw upon my training to aid others in their struggles. I can spend one key point 
and take the help action as a reaction with a range of 30 feet. In addition, I got the guidance cantrip. Also at level 11, I get light of purity. I let my silver light shine and invigorate and renew my friends. I can cast beacon of hope without having to concentrate on it for its duration. It's a short or long rest to recharge. Beacon of Hope is a spell that I choose any number of creatures within range. For the duration of the spell, each target has advantage on wisdom saving throws and death saving throws and regains a maximum number of hit points possible from any healing. I like this spell because it's good at three different things in like lesser ways. They kind of spread the power around, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Now also, help me understand this that using the help action as a reaction, theoretically, one of my party members could fail a saving throw, and I could use the help action, and they can re-roll that. Or is it only skill checks? Since you can never use the help action as a reaction, you know, Weird Dave's going into new territory on this, I think that would be up to your DMs, but no, you can use a help action to give somebody advantage on an attack, so I don't see why helping them on a saving throw might not be good too. Now, guide me through the imagery on how you would help somebody succeed on an attack like are you putting your hand on their sword too no you're distracting the opponent <laughs> oh, okay so you just pull your pants down yeah 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 you waggle at them and then they go, they look at that and they go huh and then they get an axe to the face <laughs> say hello to my axe laddie and actually i have one more thing in ally assist real quick and uh that is the lamian or lamian natural guard feature while in a group if another member is hit with an attack, I can use my reaction to move my move speed or climb speed in their direction. Um, if another Lamian is in my group, I can only move towards them because Lamians stick together. But if I'm the only Lamian in a group, I can move towards any of my party. So that's two things using reactions in ally assist. Dan, how are you feeling about this? I feel like it's a solid plus one. If it had a little bit of healing, it would be a plus two, but I can't actually heal anybody. Well, I'm also arguing a plus one here. I've got a College of Om feature called Dark Secrets, which at third level allows you to tap into Om secret knowledge and weaken your opponents. As a bonus action, you can spend a Bardic Inspiration die to choose a creature within 30 feet of you that you can see and name a damage type. If a target has resistance, this is so cool. If it has resistance to that damage type, it loses that resistance until the start of your next turn. But it gets even better with a feature called Greater Dark Secrets, which is granted at 14th level. And when you use that Dark Secrets feature, again, expending that Bardic Inspiration, if you see a target that is immune to a damage type named, it loses its immunity until the start of your next turn. Think about this in the big bad battles. They've usually got resistances or immunities to... A multitude of damage types. Just one round using a Bardic Inspiration, allowing all of your party members to cast their shots off, get everything, you know, fired off, and, and some damage being dealt to this big bad. Oh, man. I think it's super potent. And I also, of course, have Song of Rest and Bardic Inspiration. I think this is a solid plus one, but I really, really enjoy that Dark Secrets and Greater Dark Secrets feature. I am enjoying this evil bard that you got going for you. So... Uh, and yes, I absolutely agree. Being able to remove a resistance is huge. So the reason why he was a College of Whispers bard in a previous life is I feel that this is a little bit of a darker version of that College of Whispers, right? It is. It's probably the heaviest debuff bard I've ever seen. You don't get that a lot. Bards tend to have a positive spin on them. So moving into ability balance, I have a very balanced character this week. I have a strength of 12, dex of 11, con of 18, intelligence of 9, wisdom of 10, charisma of 20. So, you know, jack of all trades, but I have proficiency in acrobatics, 
expertise in Arcana, giving a plus nine. Expertise in Deception, giving a plus 15. Oof. Same thing in Intimidation, plus 15. Same thing in Performance, oh. plus 15. He bangs that drum so good. Other notables are uh, a plus seven in Persuasion. Passive perception of 12. Got that armor class of 11 and 168 hit points. Resistance to necrotic damage, which I'm really digging in that Revenant class. The spellcasting save DC is an 18 with a plus 10 spell attack bonus. And on a fireball, I think that is pretty darn good. Yeah, geez, that's a plus two balance. You said plus two, right? Because it is. I did. That's a very balanced character. Okay. I, yeah, I got nothing to say to that. I mean, that's a bard, and you really statted him out appropriately. I'm arguing a plus one. I got that strength of eight, dex of 16, con of 12, intelligence of 14, wisdom of 14, and charisma of 18. So as you can see, I didn't go heavily on physical for my monk. I made it all about her mental abilities and her charisma because I'm seeing Way of the Silver Lantern as being a very charismatic monk because that's what they're all about other people. But I've also got the proficiencies in every saving throw. So this has got to be at least a one. Oh, for sure. Thank you. All right. Well, now we are going to read our charisma scenario submitted by one of our $10 patrons. And this week, it's the Slade Brigade, Joshua Slade. And he writes, You quite enjoy O'Malley's Tavern. Well, at least you used to. With adventuring becoming the new hip and trendy thing to do, taverns are always filled with those jerks that think they just saved the world from some terrible evil. You would just go to another tavern. This adventuring epidemic has spread to every drinking hole in this godforsaken city. How are you going to find a secret gambling den, club, or private bar? And then how are you going to convince the barbarian bouncer to let you in? I must say, before we continue on with how you handle this in a smooth way, I do really like this scenario because I kind of see it as like Everest is clogged. There's a line to get to the summit. This is kind of like D&D's on the uptick. There are more people out adventuring and talking about like slaying beholders and stuff. So I, I really do kind of like this satirical spin. Slate's all over that. And excellent Everest reference because that's very poignant to what's going on. So Tina's got a couple of options. She's got plan A and plan B. Plan A is that with the tongue of the sun and the moon, she can speak any language, and she would find a language personal to that barbarian and try and talk to him on his level. And I think, you know, with a plus seven to insight, she may be able to figure out if there's a language that he uh, that he might find very personable. Now, if that fails, she still can't get in, right? My feature of my background as an astral drifter is an astral sanctuary. And that is a sanctuary away from the prying eyes of monsters raiders, home away from home. And I can share it with others... But it's a place that I relax and rest comfortably. Now, you may be saying to yourself, okay, you can go to your astral sanctuary, but you wanted to go to the bar. Well, I'm proficient in brewer supplies. What do you say? Okay. I like I like that you've got a plan A and a plan B. Uh, one of them, obviously, a little bit weaker because you got brewer supplies. You need about a month on your hands to get that going. You so, don't think uh, I would have been brewing beer in my astral sanctuary all this time? I don't know, man. You're using that llama spit in there, like, uh, what do they call it, chicha? Is that a real thing? Chicha, yeah. It's a Peruvian beer that they chew up corn and they spit it out and the enzymes break down the corn and then that over time it ferments into like a beer, but it's like a really frothy beverage, obviously, because it's made out of a lot of saliva. Okay, hold on. Let me check. So that's a 11 plus 2 for intelligence to make chicha. I think I made pretty decent chicha. You made all right chicha. So I'll take a 1 then for my chunky chicha. I'm also arguing a plus 1 here. Uh, secret gambling den? 
No need. I'd walk my way right into O'Malley's Tavern, have a seat, order up my favorite sanguineous drink. My rotting flesh and stanky stank would probably keep the casual adventuring D-bag at least at arm's length for the time being. Once the drink was in front of me, I would cast deafness on myself, have a grand old time until I was thoroughly wasted enough not to care anymore. Okay, Josh was assuming you wanted to go somewhere else, but you just said, no, I'll go right back to O'Malley's. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Now, how I would handle this in an aggressive way, I'm also arguing a plus one. I would flash my Rockados cultist emblem and head on over to the nearest merchant. I would explain my grievances with all the bars in town and ask if he had a solution. Now, being naturally pretty intimidated by my emblem, I'm sure he could point me somewhere in fear of any adverse repercussions from crappy advice. I would then arrive to the secret location and state that I had to get in immediately to use their bathroom as I was not feeling well. This is to the barbarian bouncer. I would take off my headgear to unveil my rotting flesh and use dragon's breath to throw up acid on the bouncer. After that 3d6 acid damage, I'm sure that he would grant me access, and if not, I may just have another bout of vomit that's actually a firebolt right in his eye. Oh, dang. Acid vomit for plus one? Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, a little bit similar here because I just held back on one little feature, and that is if I use my spit in conjunction with an intimidation, I get advantage on my intimidation roll. So I just spit straight in that bouncer's face. <laughs> You're arguing a what here? That's just llama spit. Well, that was a two on the first roll. Let me check the second roll here, because I got a, you know, spit advantage. And a seven, so I'll take a zero. Okay, so moving into the unscored portion of our show, it's called The X Factor, and it's basically, would you want to bring this character to the table and give it a go in a campaign? Garen, what do you feel about Tina, the llama girl? Man, I am down with this Way of the Silver Lantern. Weird Dave, as we said at the top of the show, has got a lot of great content. I was so excited about my ally assist reaction abilities. I'd be using that all the time. I'm still looking for that monk that, like, makes me want to play a monk so hard. And this one did a really good job for me. This one really scratched my itch. And because I'm all about protecting my friends and being there for my allies, that's the kind of character I like to play. So that's the kind of monk I'd want to play. And also, the llama is a lot of fun. Those links will be in the show notes as well. That is a really fun, that was actually made as kind of a gag by the author, but it's balanced. It's a, also, it's a charisma, dex, ability score improvement. It's not a comic race build. He actually did a solid job on it. How about you? Hats off to Weird Dave for not ever featuring his work on the show. I have to admit, sometimes when we see a new author, we think maybe that the, the work might need a little bit more attention or maybe some balance. Not the case with Weird Dave's work. I mean, just to clarify, though, he's he's been around for a long time. He's just one of those guys that in our scouring of DMs Guild, we never really stumbled upon him. And I'm sure there's so many people out there that we have not found yet. So if you know of somebody, please let us know. Sorry to cut you off there, Dan. Yeah, and actually was proving my point even more. When we get a name that we don't recognize, I always get a little bit weary and honestly almost every time i'm proven wrong the community is so full of really really talented creators and dave you are no exception by any means but let me also go back to these revived races now this is joshua gentry each of these races were previously featured in a previous edition of DD, and they're available reworked and also really cool and unique for a buck now the revenant is an undead kind of knight but it's out for vengeance now I would really, really, really love to use this sometime. And if you really were connected to a particular character, this is a great way to bring back a dead character because they're undead 
and they're always just seeking vengeance. So I think Oath of Vengeance Paladin, if you had a Paladin that died, bringing him back as a Revenant Oath of Vengeance Paladin would be awesome. As for the College of Um, Weird Dave did an awesome job coming up with some really unique mechanics. I think that expending Bardic Inspiration to get rid of immunities and resistances for an entire turn is not only balanced, but really unique. I've never seen anything like it before. It's also really powerful against those baddies, as I mentioned. Also, I'm really liking that you have this character that's down in the Abyss, and it just spends its time getting the secrets of Um. It's very mysterious. It's very dark. It's right up my alley. I would play this in a campaign if I found a suitable campaign and a suitable party where I could fit this in without it being just a complete eyesore. So, I know that was a bit verbose, but this... There was a lot of really exciting and cool content featured in this week's episode. And like I said, Weird Dave, I'm very excited to go back and revisit your work. And Joshua, I will be revisiting more of these races that you've created from previous editions. Well, Dan, make a note on Trello because I would certainly like to head back into this at some point. We hope you guys enjoyed Dave Colson. That is C-O-U-L-S-O-N. Check him out on DMs Guild. And we call him Weird Dave because that's his Twitter handle. And I like that. And check us out next week with yet another Cobalt Press episode where we will explore the new Player's Guide for Margrave. We told you about this product when it was coming out, and guess what? Next Wednesday, we'll be showing off some of the details. So look forward to that. Yeah, it's all about Fae Forests with a lot of nature-based characters, so I already love it from what I've read. And I can't wait to build my character, which will probably be a druid or a ranger. Spoilers! And I'm going to go play Stardew Valley. Until then, remember... When it comes to character creation, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Lab, and all episodes for that matter. Yeah, but if you left this episode just wanting more, you can join us on Patreon for tons of bonus content. At our lowest tier, you can join our Discord and participate in fan battles and have access to all PDF content that we post. You can even chat with us throughout the day. For just a little bit more, you get two bonus episodes a month and access to the entire backlog of fight clubs, monster labs, and special interviews that we've been pumping out since March of 2018. Patrons in the next tier get early access to our regular show, sometimes as much as nine days prior to release date. They also get PDFs of the character sheets for the characters that we've built in the 2019 episodes and beyond, and they can submit a smooth operator or spitting fire charisma scenario that we will use in each and every episode. And our top, top tier patrons get merch a couple times a year, have a chance to submit characters, and can sway the fates with automatic crits and fails on our charisma rolls during the show. At any level, we hope to bring you more fun. We love working on this show and the support of our patrons helps continue to make it better. If you're digging the new audio production that began in 2019, just know that it wouldn't be possible without those that already donate. And we have more plans to beef up the lab and we need your help to do it. But however you support us, we thank you. We hope to have you back next week. Head over to our Facebook and Twitter at DD Character Lab for some previews of what to expect and lots of links to other great community content. Until Wednesday, peace, love, and point by. Uh, Dan, I have been already working on the home brewery supplement that I'm going to post on DMs Guild all about farts. You are not. For real? Yeah, I'll post it up there for free, and I'll, I'll have it ready by the time we publish this episode. Oh, my God. Okay. All right, I'm Maybe people show. will like it, or maybe no one will care. We'll see. <laughs> That's awesome. Max farted in here. Just, yeah, right about oh, there. How does that smell? Terrible. <laughs>